Brothers and sisters, it is a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our Triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are here present and also those who have joined us via the live stream this afternoon. May the preaching of the Gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives to the praise of Him. Consisti has the following announcements. Brother Cruz de Vos has requested an attestation to the Free Reformed Church of Baldivus. We wish Cruz the Lord's blessings in his new congregation. Sister Nikki Hall and Brother Ashley Milder have indicated their intention to enter into the married state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to be begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Saturday the 28th of May at 12.30 in the Free Reformed Church of Southern River with Reverend D. Poppy officiating. We also have been informed that Reverend Anderson declined the call extended to him by the Maranatha Canadian Reformed Church of, in Ferguson. This afternoon we may welcome Reverend Huff from the Free Reformed Church of Bustleton to the pulpit. And before we start the service, let us sing together from hymn 61 verse 1. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what a blessing indeed to worship the Lord together, but we do so not in our own strength. And as if arise and express our dependence on the Lord. Confess with me in your heart, uh, help us in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the greeting of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
Let us respond to the greeting of the Lord, singing together Psalm 45, stanza 3. After that, we can take our seats and we'll profess our faith with the Apostles' Creed, after which we'll sing hymn 2, verse 3. So let's now first sing together Psalm 45, verse 3. Indeed, a beautiful psalm, a prophecy of Christ being our King. We'll focus on that this afternoon, according to what we confess in Lord's Day 12. We have the threefold office of Christ, of, 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 um, yeah, of Christ and our own threefold office. We continue to confess also our faith in our triune God, and this afternoon we'll... I'll read the first seven articles of the Apostles' Creed, and after that we continue with our confession, singing together hymn 2, verse 3. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead.
congregation, of ourselves we are not ready to receive the word of God. So we pray for the Holy Spirit to make us and to prepare us, enlighten our hearts to receive the gospel. So before we read God's word, let us, let us pray. Gracious God, Father in heaven, we praise you for your grace, your mercy, for speaking to us as a gracious God. You have revealed yourself. We are unworthy of this, Lord. Who are we sinners to come before you? Who are we to, to receive your inspired and your infallible word of truth? And therefore we thank you for the work of your son, Jesus Christ, who is the word that became flesh, who embodied the truth, who revealed you, Father, to us, through your church of all times and places. And we thank you, Father, for the witness that, it con- that your word contains in, in Christ's victory over sin and death. And we adore you that we have a risen Savior, an ascended mediator, who now pleads for us in this very, very moment, this very hour. We praise you, Lord, that we are not left to ourselves, but that he has sent us his Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to change our hearts, our minds, our lives. Father, so that we will receive your word and believe it. For it is wonderful to hear a sermon, but it's so easy to just put it aside or take it for notice or agree or disagree with it and not really get it, apply it to our lives, a life of thankfulness, a life of dedication, of commitment, of a life of worship. Father, through Him, we have peace with You. We are right with You. We are so richly blessed. We are liberated to live life of lives of gratitude, of, of joy and praise. And we know that so often we are weak and fickle in our faith. We, we don't deserve, Lord, to be at the receiving end of your commitment and, and love. We, we're so prone to wonder. We know it and we confess it. Father, that's why we are all the more grateful for your persevering love for us. Thank you for not giving up on us. And Lord Jesus, your humanity gives us assurance that we shall someday, someday be where you are and be as you are. And your divinity draws us to worship and adore you. You are the Lamb who is worthy of all praise. And so we pray, please continue to impress upon us the wonder of your grace and the awesomeness of your, your sacrifice for us. Need Lord, drive the goodness of the gospel deeper into our being so that, so that we are overwhelmed with the riches of your word, overwhelmed with true gratitude 
so that we truly want to love you, want to serve you every day from Monday to Saturday and, and particularly on Sundays as we rest of our, our sins, our, our wrongdoings, of our seeking ourselves, our self-centeredness. So we pray that this afternoon and also the rest of this day of rest and worship, that you will work with your Holy Spirit so that we become more deeply committed to following your will for our lives. So that we want to exalt you in everything we do and with everything in our being. We pray, help us with your Spirit that we make much of you and that we, we decrease and you increase. We need your grace for that, Father, from beginning till end. So please help us to do that with, with your Holy Spirit and for your glory. And so we'll, when we, we open our Bibles and we read your, your word, your holy word, and we hear it proclaimed to us as we confess it, uh, from your word we pray that our hearts will be enlightened and rejoice in the goodness of your word. To, to, to an extent, Lord, that this week we will be eager to, to read it. Not just in, because we have to, because we feel a com- feeling of compulsory that we have to. But that we will read with, with love for you. Father, bless us now as we continue in this service. May your grace be upon us in preaching and listening. Keep distractions from us, Father. And here's our prayer in the name of our risen Savior, our media, Jesus Christ. Amen. Congregation, I invite you to read with me now from the Word of God, first from the Gospel according to Mark, uh, chapter 8. And after that, we'll turn to Acts chapter 7. We start with Mark chapter 8. Verse 27 to 38. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi of Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciple, he rebuked Peter and said, 
Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his, his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So far reading from Mark 8, let's now turn to, to Act 7. Here the uh, the account the, the history about Stephen, one of the the deacons, one of the seven chosen to serve, also an evangelist, uh, witnessing uh, in front of the the Jewish council about Christ, and they were obviously not not happy with what they heard. Let's start at verse forty four of Act seven. There, uh, Steve, Stephen continues, he says, Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But was Solomon who built a house for him, yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So far our reading from God's word. Let us now sing a prophetic psalm about the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ from Psalm 110. Let's sing the verses 1, 2, and 4. We are up to Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Let's read that together. The Book of Praise on page 527. Question answer 31, 32. Why is he called Christ that is anointed? Because he has been ordained by God the Father and anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption. Our only high priest who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and who continually intercedes for us before the Father and our eternal King who governs us by his word and spirit so that, and who defends and preserves us in the redemption obtained for us. Why are you called a Christian? Because I am a member of Christ by faith, and thus share in his anointing, so that I may, as prophet, confess his name, as priest, present myself, a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, 
as a king fight with a free and good conscience against the sin and the devil in this life and therefore reign with him eternally over all creatures. So for our confession on Lord's Day 12. After the proclamation of the gospel, let's respond with him 27, verse 4 and 5. Congregation of Jesus Christ, brothers, sisters, young and old, I'd like to start with a question to the, to the children this afternoon. Boys and girls, who, who is your favorite prophet? Think for yourself. I'm sure many of you will say, um, maybe Samuel, or Isaiah, maybe Daniel. Whom of you straight away chose Jesus? Isn't he the, the highest prophet? Whom of you children straight away chose your mom and dad? For Lord said 12 says that they are also prophets. And if you look at yourself, you're one too. We are a church full of prophets. Ah, we don't even often put it that way. Nevertheless, we all have our, our call to be prophet. The same counts for priest and king. But how often do we present ourselves in that way towards others? If someone would ask you about the hope that lives in you, why are you, why are you a Christian? What would you say? Would you point to yourself and say, well, I'm a prophet, I'm a priest, I'm a king? Because I serve the prophet, priest, and king. The best one in the universe. And then, obviously, that person is going to ask some questions. And then it be could become a bit, bit challenging because how much do you know about your favorite prophet? Your favorite king? Your favorite priest? Maybe you know the basics. Maybe you know a bit of his life, the miracles he performed in God's power. But do you believe that this prophet, priest, and king also had a message from God for you, for God's people? Do you know what he said? And how to apply that in your life? Because you only know him really when you truly believe in him. But then that obviously shows, shows in your life. Your, your life is a proof of your conviction or your trust, your confession 
in your favorite prophet, priest and king. In fact, you're called by his name. You are a Christian. You are anointed. You have this unique relationship with him. This covenantal bond with him. Or rather, he connected himself to you through the audible and the visible word of God. And this, I'll tell you, has far-reaching consequences, impact in your and our lives. This will be our focus this afternoon when we think about our favorite prophet, priest, and king. And how we are connected to him in order to be prophet, priests, and kings. And how his spirit plays a unique role in this. I've chosen a theme. Our, anointed, our anointment with the Holy Spirit results in, in delightful outcomes in our unity with Jesus Christ. These outcomes are that we share in his cross, that we share in his offices, and that we share in his gifts. Congregation, have you as a Christian been, been anointed? Been anointed with, with oil? You might say, not really, no. I mean, I've been baptized, but is that anointing? If you think about oil, any one of us been anointed with oil? We, we use oil for what, cooking or maybe cosmetic purposes. But if you read the Bible, and particularly the Old Testament, God, God's Word speaks extensively about anointments and, and who and how certain people had to receive oil on their heads. And the oil sometimes prepared according to a very unique recipe that was an outward sign to both the person and to the community. This, this oil indicated that the anointed had has received a, a, a very special task and an office from God. I think again of, of the priest in Israel, particularly the high priest, who received so much oil that it, it dripped off his beard, it, it, it went into his clothes, his whole body received that anointment oil smelling beautifully great before the Lord. And, and think about the prophets or, or the kings who often were anointed for their task. We think here of, of, of for example, Saul. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king over God's people. Very special task. And he spoke. Through the Spirit. And when he became disobedient, when he resisted the Holy Spirit in his life, God sent Samuel to anoint David to be Saul's successor. And he also received the Spirit for this task. 
And so this anointment where the prophet, priest, or king had a very powerful um, purpose, indication. Because it pointed at the same time to the promised Messiah, the anointed one that would come. And when he came, when the Messiah, the promised one, arrived at the river Jordan, many of the Jews, especially their leaders, were quite disappointed. They were disillusioned with, with this man. Because they were hoping to receive a, a powerful king. Someone like David who had been anointed to, to save them from the Roman oppressors. Or, or a Messiah like King Solomon, displaying his glory and establishing, his, establishing a, a kingdom of peace. Or a prophet like, like Moses or Elijah, especially anointed to, to step up, lead God's people in a powerful way. Or like the high priest, leading in worship, in sacrificing according to the law of Moses. That is the picture that they had of the anointed one, the Messiah. But then this, this carpenter's son came, Jesus of Nazareth, who said that he was the Messiah, the Christ. Nah. They were disappointed. There was little, no special oil, glamour, glory, power. This man, Jesus of Nazareth? And one can, can somehow understand that most of the Jews did not straight away reckon Jesus of Nazareth to be the anointed one, the Messiah of the Lord. Some did, like the disciple Philip, when he told his friend Nathaniel, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and of the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He is the Christ, the anointed one. He's our hero. He's the one who will save us. Peter made the same confession. In what we read in verse 27 of Mark 8. You are the Christ. The true prophet. Others say you are Elijah or some of the other prophets. But you are the Christ, the anointed one. But, but then things panned out a bit different than he expected. Because he had some difficulty in accepting the purpose the content of this prophet, priest, and king, this anointed of Christ. They all heard God anointed Jesus, not with oil, but with the word and the spirit, after he had been baptized by John the Baptist, or at least four or five of them. But when Jesus responded to Peter's confession in verse 31, by pointing to what his offers, his threefold offer entails, what, it, what it's about, that, that it means that he's going to die. There's going to be 
killed by the spiritual leaders, let him be crucified. No, that was too much for Peter. He became upset. He even rebuked the Messiah for speaking of the cross. You're not anointed to do this, to die on the cross. Maybe Peter also wanted a powerful king and an and a outspoken prophet and a, and a sacrificing leader in the temple as a Messiah. Not a, not a weak, suffering servant. And we know how Jesus answered him. But loved ones, for this reason also today, many people take offense when hearing of Jesus as being the Messiah. How can the kingdom of the Messiah, the anointed one, begin with a begins with a with the execution of the Messiah? That doesn't make sense. But the truth is that no one who wants to belong to him can get past that, that truth. Because his task, his office was for him to, to, be, to be sacrificed for the sins of the whole world, for our sins, for our transgressions. He was not eventually the bad Messiah. We were the bad Messiahs, anointed one once. We received this, this beautiful task as prophet, priest, thinking in the Garden of Eden. But what did we do? We, we tried to be the universal ruler, the best. And we sinned in Adam and Eve. And then we refused to, to abdicate so that he would be the true king, the true prophet, the true priest. In Adam and Eve, in all our sins, we, we were, so to speak, anointed as, as kings of this world. But we became rebellious. We failed to be responsible messiahs. And so Jesus, Jesus had to come to fulfill the role of the true messiah. Jesus could not be the Messiah except then by the cross. And, and this puts brothers and sisters, each, each one of us before the choice. If you want to be a true prophet, priest, and king, you've got to start at the cross. You need to be united with Him. And you have to continue to to abdicate, to surrender your own throne, your own temples, your own personal seminaries, your own thoughts, perspectives of what the Bible is all, all about. In order for us to be true prophet, priests, and kings, we need to be united in Christ. 
whoever desires to come after me, Jesus says, need to deny himself. Take up his, his cross and follow me. Beloved, that cross when you take up is not just in a figurative. It's not just a figurative cross, as as if your cross is some sort of a, a struggle or or difficulty or, or sorrow that you have to carry throughout your life. Now, the one who carries a cross implies that he has been convicted of a crime. He can't stand before a holy God. There's only one way out to be accepted by God is to be crucified with Christ. In that way, unite with Him in His office. Threefold office as prophet, priest, and king. When, when we are in unity with Him, we have to, to lay down our own ambitions, our own plans, our own missions, our, our own desires submit our lives completely to Jesus Christ we need to crucify our sinful desires and be filled with his spirit be united with him if he died for you and your sins for mine for ours there's not one aspect of our lives where we are the boss where we decide what is true where where we sacrifice what we want to sacrifice, willing to give up everything in our lives, and you become under the under the rulership, the truth, the sacrifice of Christ Himself. I mean, it's all all good and nice, you know, to to confess with Lord's Day twelve, you know, the the known phrases that we often and sometimes recall. You know, he's, he's our prophet, he's, he's our priest, and he's, he's our king. Now that, that has some serious implications. Because of, if our anointed one had to go through death, it means that the old man in us needs to die too. But when we cling to Christ through his spirit, when we are unified with him, in his death and resurrection, brothers and sisters, then, then things happen. Then, then there are a lot of changes in our lives. Then we will experience how significant it is to be anointed. Not according to our own standards, but according to his standard as prophet, priests, and kings. And how, we, how great it is indeed to live under his kingship. And how wonderful it is to... To soak up the truth from him as our prophet in order to, to speak the truth. How wonderful it is to let his sacrifice work through in our lives so that we too can sacrifice in a life of gratitude. To carry it all out in the great and holy name of Jesus Christ. To be forgiven by him. To cling to him as, as our true crucified Lord. As, as Paul says, we proclaim Christ crucified. The way of true prophet, priest, and king 
is the way of the cross for Christ and for us. This also opens our eyes to who God anointed as his son. For any anointed one has, has someone above him. And yet, while mankind by nature continues to forsake his calling to which he was anointed, Jesus succeeded for us. And that's why when Jesus was anointed, when he was baptized, when the Spirit came down in form of a dove and God spoke from heaven, we got the picture of what he has really done for us and for our threefold office and I went the whole way till the end when he died on the cross in order for man to become new prophets, priests and kings through faith and by grace alone and that brings us to the second point we share in his offices yeah, how do you do that? how do we share in his office? Well, as we've just discovered, it is through Christ and in Christ and, and by the cross. But, but what are the implications? How does it affect your life? Well, first of all, by receiving his name. We are called Christians. That means we are, so to speak, shaped and molded, and that's sometimes a painful process, according to his office as prophet, priest, and king. That's why we are called Christians, not just to, to have a, the name, to be identified as a group. This is, this is a process of molding and shaping us every day. No, no, we don't copy Jesus um, as prophet, priest, and king. He, he's the, the only one, the true one. Who can fully reveal God's plan for this world. He's the only one that could bring the ultimate sacrifice for sin. He's the only one that could conquer the enemy and establish God's kingdom. But when, when you believe in Him then, and you're united with Him, you're grafted into Him through faith alone. And then your life changes to be instrumental to his purpose, to his kingdom building, to the expansion of, of his church. It's when we come with empty hands before the Lord that he fills our hands, our hearts, our lives to take up our office as prophet, priests, and kings. And sure, this is easier said than done. You can cause a lot of pain to follow Christ as prophet, priest, and king. Or he went through suffering to glorification. Well, we'll notice that too. Suffering is our task, our call. And the Catechism puts that in the right way. Prophetically confessing, priestly suffering, and kingly fighting. These are actions that, takes, that takes a lot out of us. The reality of our threefold office means the cross for us, for our lives, our bodies. 
to have that word, the word of Christ, working in our lives, cutting in our lives, removing the cancer of sin in our lives. Yes, leaving scars on us. For us to live a new life, a renewed life as Christians. He who loses his life, Jesus said in the text that we read, for Christ's sake and the gospel, he will save it. Are you willing to lose your life for him? The true Christian anointed through the Spirit and in Christ shares in his office by grace and by his strength. And this is what we see in the last Last aspect, because we also share in his gifts. How are you truly, how are we truly anointed to be true Christians? In fact, how can we function in this unity with Christ? If you look at yourself, how's your, your threefold office going? For you. Is it working out for you? If I would hand you a, a couple of pages this afternoon, or maybe you can do it tonight when you have your time for meditation, write down the ways that you, that we are, prophets, priests, and kings. Dot them down. Write them out. Think about them. And we'll often discover how weak we are. How imperfect we are. And the point can, we can come to the point where we feel that we're just simply too sinful, too imperfect, too weak to ever represent our threefold prophet, priest, and king, Almighty God, in this life. How do you do this? Well, the only way is to, to remain in Him. But also allow Him to share His gifts gained for us on the cross and work them out in our lives. Use His Spirit to powerfully change us. Christ has been baptized with the Spirit. The Spirit lives in Him as His head and in us as His body. Even though we are a weak body, He works miracles in the lives of His people, despite their sin and weaknesses. And this is what we saw, that's why we also read from Acts. We saw that in the life of, of Stephen. Now Stephen is not the same as Jesus. He's not the perfect prophet, priest, and king. And yet what we figure, what we find here. He's a very good example of how powerful the Spirit works out these gifts in the life of a servant of the Lord. Because Stephen was a, a man full of the Holy Spirit. He became a real prophet when he stood before the Jewish council. There he confessed the name of Christ. Are you ready to do that before others? Or are you kind of embarrassed, shamed? Stephen did. But it also cost him his life. He was ready to die in and for this threefold office. 
He went as a priest, willing to be sacrificed. Not for his, for his sins, but as a living sacrifice for Christ. And as a king, well, our catechism understands that this will come to fullness at a later stage. However, already today we fight like kings, like Stephen had to fight also to remain standing. To be able to ask for forgiveness for those who stoned him. Stephen was not perfect. He also had to fight the spiritual battle against his, his threefold enemies. And yet filled with the Holy Spirit, he gave him the strength to fulfill his task by God's grace and in his strength as prophet, priest, and king. And congregation, the New Testament is, is filled with many more men and women, filled with the Holy Spirit, formed, shaped, molded to execute, to, to do their, their threefold office. And this is what God is doing in our midst, in this congregation, and in all His church. He's working that out powerfully in our lives. Are we all then to become people like Stephen? I'm afraid many of us will be too scared to take his place as the stones rained on his kneeled body. And yet God is not calling each one of us to suffer the martyrdom physically. Each of us gets his or her own place and task in the church and the kingdom of our Lord to execute our threefold office. But we can do that because the Holy Spirit share, make us share in Christ's gifts according to his measurement, according to his calling. But the principle remains. Each one of us uses his or her own gifts received from from the Spirit for God's glory, for His benefit. That is the secret of being a true Christian. Not trusting yourself, but trusting Him. Allowing Him to work that out in your life, even if He takes your life. And so when each one of us takes up our cross and follow Christ, the self, the ego in us dies. And a new man in Christ and three spirit arises. It's the beginning of a new life. Living with Christ. With those gifts that he has given us through his spirit. And then and only then can we, we publicly profess his name. And present our whole lives as sacrifices in gratitude to Him. Only then can we fight the good battle against sin, against the devil. We can do so with a free and good conscience. As one author puts it, He governs us by His Word and Spirit to give us a proportional revelation of His will and an objective set of external truth and by his spirit to give us a subjective experience of his presence and the inner power to obey.
That's when we lift up our hearts to Him and submit our lives to Him. But He will look after us in this whole process. He will care for us. No, He doesn't never promised us a, a happy, a healthy, and a wealthy life. But He promised us freedom, liberty, to worship Him, to serve Him, even if it costs our lives as prophet, priests, and kings. And one wonderful promise, brothers and sisters, is He will never let us slide further down than the cross of Christ. He will never let us ultimately fall to the devil. He will never let us offer ourselves finally to the world's bondage because He loves us. Because He bought us with the ultimate price of His blood. And so when we share in these gifts and show and develop them through the power of the Spirit, we will definitely be noticed in this world. People around you will ask you about it. Why are you so different? Why are you speaking this way? Why are you so perseverant in going to church every Sunday? Why are you praying at your lunch in the canteen? And the next time you, maybe you struggle to explain Christ at, in the canteen or the water cooler at work or wherever the Lord puts you, maybe think about this. Think about these three words, prophet, priest, and king. Tell them, share with them, tell them who your favorite prophet and priest and king is and why you adore him and why you follow him. And why you're willing to, to go all the way through the power of His Spirit. It will not only be the way to talk about Christ, but also the best way to explain your own lifestyle. And it's my prayer for you, brothers and sisters, for us all, that the God, God will, will grant them that, that many more will come. And that they will share in this unity. That they too will become prophet, priest, and king, united with Christ, also wearing not just the badge, saying, I'm a Christian. But to show that in every possible way, I've been saved to serve the Lord. Because my God is a true God, the only true God in heaven and on earth. He is indeed my favorite prophet, priest, Thank you. Amen.
Let's thank the Lord for his word. Oh God in heaven, our Father, we thank you for what your word teaches us about Christ. Our, our best, our favorite, the most ultimate prophet, priest, and king of our lives. We praise you for the, for the gospel promises in his threefold office. Both in his humiliation, but also in his exaltation. We not only praise you for these things, we, we believe you, Lord. Your word is true. We trust that your word, what your word says to us, acknowledging it as, as true and certain for each of us individually, but also as, as one body. Lord, we believe in that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe that he is our chief prophet who has taught us and still shape us. We believe that he's our priest who was humiliated and suffered to pay for our sins. And we believe that right now he's interceding for us and will continue to do so. And we believe that he's our king ruling over us with his word and spirit, changing our lives powerfully and protecting us in our salvation. And we believe that he will return to judge the living and the dead and we are comforted by that, Father. Thank you, God, for these gospel truths. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for being all of this and more to us. To us poor sinners who, who desperately need your ministry for us. We pray that your spirit will help us in our unity with Christ to execute, to do our office as prophets, help us Oh Lord, to, to confess your name, boldness to speak to others, especially unbelievers. And please help us with your spirit to be filled with love so that we speak where we need to. And please give us eyes to see the lost around us and to be broken in our hearts for them. Father, please compel us to, to speak this gospel with them, to pray for them. But also pray for opportunities and for courage. But Lord, we also pray for, for a special task of our parents and grandparents in this congregation. Grant that they will, from Scripture, be instrumental by the Spirit to shape also the next generation in their threefold office. So that also the children, young and old, May be aware of their task. Give them the love for their children. Covenant children. So they spend time with them. So they from a young age will confess your name. Will speak about the hope that also lives in them. And rule over sin and weaknesses in their lives. Help them to, to be bold in their lives, also amongst themselves when they are at school. Bless them as they will take up their, their task this week again so that they would not just attend school for the sake of going to school, but that also in their student years that they will understand their threefold office. 
and rejoice in your goodness, in this gift to them. And that we may witness the powerful work of your Spirit to all our children. So that they would all embrace the benefits of Christ promised to them in their baptism. Merciful God, help us to continue growing in our faith. Not only today, not only in the coming week, but for the rest of our lives, for the time that you give us to do our calling faithfully. Bless us, Lord, in the remaining of this day. Let us continue to celebrate your goodness in Jesus Christ. Let us continue to rest, take time to fill ourselves with your goodness in what we read and what we discuss with one another. Father, for all the sins and shortcomings in this hour of worship, we plead, forgive us. Cover our sins with the blood of Christ. Continue to renew us by your Spirit. And when we give, Lord, in the offerings, when we continue to worship you through the sacrifices that we make financially for our Indonesian brothers and sisters, the churches all day, Bless us so that we would give generous, giving hearts, and that the work in Indonesia may continue so that those brothers and sisters too may continue their calling. Will you hear our prayer, Lord? Accept our faith. Grant that we may arrive safe home after this service. We ask all this for Christ's sake only, to his glory. Amen. And let us, um, as we exit this auditorium, this church, continue to worship the Lord um, in our sacrifices, financial offerings, which, as we've mentioned, are for the uh, Indonesian churches. The backs of the, el- the deacons will collect at the exit, and there's also the opportunity to make electronic transfer, bank details for the offerings online account on the back of the liturgy sheet. Let us now sing our closing song, which is hymn 26.
Let us now lift up our hearts unto God, receive his blessing and abide in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.